1: Welcome to the Boyd Group Services, Inc. First Quarter 2021 Results Conference Call. Listeners are reminded that certain matters discussed in today's conference call or answers that may be given to questions asked could constitute forward-looking statements that are subject to risks and uncertainty related to Boyd's future financial or business performance actual results could differ materially from those anticipated in these forward-looking statements. The risk factors that may affect results are detailed in Boyd's annual information form and other periodic filings and registration statements. And you can access these documents at CDAR's database found at cdar.com. I'd like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, Wednesday, May 12, 2021. I would now like to introduce Mr. Tim O'Day, (coughs) President and Chief Executive Officer of Boyd Group Services, Inc. Please go ahead, Mr. O'Day.
2: Thank you, operator. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's call. On the call with me today are Pat Pat, Papadde, our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, and Brock Bulbach, our Executive Chair. We released our 2021 first quarter results before markets opened today. You can access our news release, as well as our complete financial statements and management discussion analysis on our website at boydgroup.com. Our news release, financial statements, and MD&A have also been filed on CDAR this morning. On today's call, we'll discuss the financial results for the three-month period ended March 31, 2021, and provide a general business update. We will then open the call for questions. The first quarter of 2021 continued to be significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic, as business and mobility restrictions continued to impact demand for collision repair services. We continue to focus on health and safety practices, such as contact-free customer drop-off and pickup, enhanced vehicle and facility cleaning practices, social distancing, and wearing personal protective equipment to keep our employees and customers safe, all of which has been very important given the significant surge in COVID infections that occurred during the quarter. We continue to follow key practices that include deep cleaning facilities where an employee or potential or confirmed case of COVID-19 is identified, as well as defined processes for quarantining and testing in situations of potential exposure to help prevent the spread of the virus. As was previously communicated, beginning in January 1, 2021, VOID is reporting results in U.S. dollars. This change has been made in order to better reflect the company's business activities, given the significance of the U.S. denominated revenues. During the first quarter, we recorded sales of 421.6 million, adjusted EBITDA of 52.7 million, and net earnings of 7.7 million. Sales were 426.6 million, a 9.9 percent decrease when compared to the same period of 2020. This reflects a 19.4 million dollar contribution from 56 new locations. Our same-store sales, excluding foreign exchange, decreased by 14.2% in the first quarter. Same-store sales, excluding foreign exchange, decreased by 12.6% on a day's adjusted basis, recognizing one less selling and production day in the U.S. and Canada in the first quarter of 2021 when compared to the same period of 2020. Same-store sales declines in Canada were much more significant than same-store sales declines in the U.S., and unfavorable when compared to the fourth quarter of 2020. The first quarter of 2021 was impacted by a significant surge in COVID-19 infections and the reinstatement of restrictions in many markets, especially Canada. Production challenges, including technician capacity constraints in select markets, weather events in southern states, and supply chain disruptions compounded the demand challenges we faced. Gross margin was 46% in the first quarter of 2021, compared to 44.8% achieved in the same period of 2020. The gross margin percentage improved as a result of higher labor margins, including the recognition of the SOUs of approximately $1.5 million. The gross margin percentage was also positively impacted by higher retail glass sales margins, partially offset by a higher mix of parts in relation to labor. Operating expenses for the first quarter of 2021 were $141.2 million, or 33.5% of sales, compared to 31.8% in the same period of 2020. When the pandemic was declared, Boyd took significant steps to manage expenses in relation to the decline in sales. While many operating expenses were managed in relation to decline in sales, certain expenses could not be reduced, such as property taxes and utility costs which increased as a percentage of sales. Also impacting the beginning of 2021 is the seasonality of certain operating expenses, such as employee payroll taxes, which are typically highest in the first quarter of the year. In addition, continued location growth has resulted in increased operating expenses as a percentage of COVID impacted sales. Adjusted EBITDA, or EBITDA adjusted for fair value adjustments to financial instruments and costs related to acquisitions and transactions was $52.7 million, a de- decrease of 12.8% over the same period of 2020. The decrease was primarily due to operating expenses that could not be managed in relation to the reduction in sales, and additional operating expenses incurred, along with continued location growth, as well as costs incurred to begin rebuilding and supporting the workforce. In total, Adjusted EBITDA in the first quarter benefited from the SUs in the amount of 3.4 million, and as is the objective of the program, Boyd continued to employ and incur costs for employees that would have been laid off or fur- furloughed absent this wage subsidy. Net earnings for the first quarter of 2021 was 7.7 million compared to 17 million in the same period of 2020, excluding fair value adjustments and acquisition and transaction costs, adjusted net earnings for the first quarter of 2021 was 8.3 million or 39 cents per share compared to adjusted net earnings of 15.2 million or 75 cents per share in the same period of the prior year. The decrease in adjusted net earnings per share is primarily attributed to the operating expenses and fixed costs such as depreciation and amortization that could not be reduced in relation to the decline in sales due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Adjusted net earnings per share for the three months end of March 31, twenty twenty-one, include one point two six five million shares issued in the public offering, which was completed in May of May of twenty twenty. At the end of the period, we had total debt net of cash of five hundred and thirty-nine point nine million, compared to five hundred and thirty-eight point five million at December 31st, 2020. We continue to have financial flexibility with our conservative balance sheet and more than $875 million in dry powder to take advantage of opportunities as they arise. During 2021, the company expects to make cash capital expenditures within the previously guided range of 1.6 to 1.8% of sales. This excludes those capital expenditures related to acquisition and development of new locations, the investment in environmental initiatives such as LED lighting, and the investment in the expansion of the WoW operating way practices through its corporate applications and process improvement efficiency project. During the first three quarters of the first three months of the year, the company has invested approximately $1.4 million in environmental initiatives of a planned four million dollar investment during twenty twenty one. These investments will not only provide environmental and social benefits, but also achieve accretive returns on invested capital. Additionally, the company is expanding its while operating waste practices to its corporate business processes. The related technology and process efficiency project will result in a total of four to $5 million being invested before the end of the year, and will also be expected to streamline various processes as well as generate economic returns after the project is fully implemented. This initiative began in the third quarter of 2020. Early in the pandemic, the company moved quickly and decisively to take aggressive action to both preserve liquidity and to reduce expenses in preparation of the demand and revenue decline anticipated as a result of the pandemic. This included converting a large number of production facilities to skeleton-staffed intake centers, in most cases staffed with a single employee. In late Q4 of 2020, Boyd made the decision to prepare for the higher post-pandemic demand levels expected in 2021. This was a major factor contributing to our lower adjusted EBITDA margin versus Q3 and Q4 of 2020. We're excited and optimistic about our positioning for the future. We've converted all of our temporary intake centers in the U.S. back to full production facilities, and we've added back most of our indirect and support staffing resources in anticipation of a return to normal demand for our services. Although, we are still in the process of the more difficult task of adding back technician capacity and reengaging in the initiatives that we'd undertaken pre-COVID to address technician capacity constraints including, but not limited to, our technician development program. This may result in us experiencing technician capacity constraints in some markets in the near term, notwithstanding the return, the continued improvement in demand in most of our U.S. markets. This, combined with worsening demand in Canada, as restrictions either continue or are tightened, has resulted in overall sales performance to date in Q2 that is only marginally higher than our Q1 sales. We continue to execute on our growth plans with 35 locations open year to date, the majority being single shop growth. Our pipeline, including acquisitions, as well as Greenfield and Brownfield locations, is healthy and we are confident in our ability to achieve our five-year plan. As vaccination rates increase and as market demand returns to normal levels, we are well positioned for the future with our leadership position, our growth pipeline, and many business initiatives, including our WOW operating way, scalable technician development program, scanning and calibration, OE certifications, and intake center strategy, to name a few. As always, operational excellence remains central to our business model. With with ongoing investment in our WOW operating way, we continue to drive excellence in repair quality, customer satisfaction, and repair cycle times to ensure the continued support of our insurance partners and vehicle owner customers. For me personally, and on behalf of the board, I would also like to acknowledge Al Davis's retirement from the Board of Directors. Al has served on the board since 2005 and is independent chair since 2011. He has helped to guide our strategy for many years, and I personally appreciate the support and guidance that Al has provided to me during my tenure as CEO and I wish him well in his retirement. In summary and in closing, I continue to be incredibly proud of the steps that we've taken to adjust to this constantly changing environment and to position ourselves well for the future. We continue to believe there will be many opportunities that come from this crisis, both internal and external, and we put ourselves in a good position to come out of this crisis as a stronger company. Our priorities remain taking care of the health and safety of our team members and customers, enhancing shareholder value through accretive acquisition growth, building our capacity as demand returns, as well as preserving financial flexibility and preparing for the opportunities that lie ahead. With that, I would now like to open the call for questions. Operator?
1: Thank you, sir. At this time, we would like to take any questions you might have for us today. In order to ask a question, simply press star,
0: then the number one on your telephone keypad. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details
1: we have our first question from the line of david newman from day your line open good morning,
3: good morning and morning. aloha welcome to hawaii good morning david a couple of uh, questions on the, I guess, reopening teething issues, I'll call them, uh, which we're seeing across a number of uh, companies. But with the supply chain disruptions, are you seeing any parts inflation as well? And I'm talking about the sort of steel, aluminum, and all the commodities, obviously all spiking. And does that change your dynamic of OE versus recycled, refurbished, or aftermarket parts at all?
2: Um the, the supply chain disruptions we mentioned were really not related to the pricing of components. And as we've talked before, from a pricing standpoint, we really pass through pricing uh, for repair cost. As those components become more expensive though, it may provide uh, more competitive alternatives, whether aftermarket or used. So there could be some shift in that, although nothing that we've noted to date. Uh, we have seen some, you know, parts availability issues that have been a challenge uh, from manufacturers related to, uh, I suspect some of it related to just the ability to get parts through the system and, and from overseas.
3: Okay, and then on the on the technician issue, obviously through the pandemic, we've seen a real focus on on ESG, as I'm sure you guys are aware, EVs and ADAS and all that sort of thing. and. How do you navigate going forward and 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 I would presume that this could actually accelerate consolidation. Just maybe thoughts on the near term on training, compensation and things that you've done so effectively in the past to secure technicians. And does that put you in kind of a you know really competitive advantage versus your peers and consolidate the market?
2: Well I think our the investments that we've been making in training for the past several years. And we have a a fairly unique way of doing it because we have a dedicated team of internal technical trainers that actually build relationships with our our technicians and help them not only improve their skills using training that's available to the industry, but they actually build a relationship with them and focus on improving their their productivity as well. Uh, But we are very well prepared to continue to invest in our team members to make sure they have the technical skills uh, to perform repairs as they become more complex, including you know issues related to ADAS, uh calibration and matters such as that.
3: Very good. And last one if I can squeeze one more in, guys, just in terms of you know a lot of navel gazing, I guess, through the through the pandemic and, and organizations really looking at their cost structures, et cetera. So I know we're still kind of going through the machinations of it and all that, but post pandemic in, uh, from from an opex point of view, is there any permanent cost reduction such that your margins could even improve
4: as we get to more normalized conditions? Uh, uh, David, uh, yeah, we have taken uh, several measures uh, to address that specific area. So we have streamlined operations, and also we have consolidated uh, consolidated uh, certain functions uh, to permanently reduce uh, some expenses and costs.
3: Okay. And any, any any sort of sense on, on the magnitude, Pat?
4: No, we, we don't want to offer any guidance on that. And also, David, another thing is also the, the operating way we're expanding into strategic support services like finance, HR, and procurement. Also, those uh, should yield uh, improvement in uh, productivity, too. Very good.
3: Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks,
4: Thanks, David.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from Steve Hansen. From Raymond James, please go ahead. Yeah, good morning, guys.
5: Just uh, good morning. Um, just a couple quick ones for me, if I may. Is uh, one, Tim, is just on on the acquisition pipeline and, and the multiples that are being paid. I know you've stepped out recently into Hawaii per for Dave's uh, suggestion. There, can you just give us a sense for uh, what the cost is for entry level small platforms? Um, and or, you know, the, I'm really looking for the spread between, you know, one v 2 Z type deals relative to, to larger, you know, mid-sized deals at this point. And has that changed at all?
2: You know, we, we really don't provide uh, detailed information on MSO acquisitions. We have communicated uh, for a long time that we underwrite single shop acquisitions to a 25% uh, ROIC on on post uh, synergy EBITDA. And we're still comfortable with that guidance. Uh, obviously, as you get to larger and larger businesses, the multiples become higher. Uh, and I think for that reason, it's important for us to have a a good mix in our uh, in our pipeline of you know greenfield, brownfield, single shop, and multi shop opportunities. But we don't Steve have. Also, a, I think
4: uh, we we oh, shared uh, in the past that. The most we ever paid was 9.6 times to Assured back in July of 2017. So you can imagine you know, MSO mm-hmm. somewhere falling in between, between 4 and 9.6. So, yeah, there is a higher for MSO. typically, again, it depends on the strategic value, the quality of earnings, quality of management, and things like that. But uh, the That's single uh, shops are more attractive. Uh, let, let me maybe
5: ask it that way, because I recognize you don't provide specific guidance. I guess I'm just trying to get a sense for uh, the trend in effect. I just There was another MSO acquisition announced this morning, as you're probably aware, and some of these super regional groups are moving quite quickly right now. Um, just trying to get a sense for whether that's going to price you out of the market to go
2: after these mid-sized deals. Uh, I think uh, we'll be able to remain competitive and achieve our five-year growth plan. I'm I'm confident of that. Okay, and that, that, also, Steve, hey. I think from a big-picture perspective, the
4: industry is highly fragmented, so there is ample opportunity to consolidate. So you, you, you may see some consolidation, but still, it's highly highly fragmented.
5: Yeah, no, I I recommend that I Appreciate that. Um, just maybe a follow-on mention is just. You know, looking at, at you know the pace at which you've brought back some of the staff here, uh, I understand it's not a linear projection in terms of the activity levels returning. But just you know, do you, do you get a sense that you brought people back too fast? Do you need to make adjustments um, at the current levels of activity that you're seeing, or, or are you comfortable with where you're at now and in, in the trajectory that we're seeing on on vaccine rollups and others? I'm just trying to get a sense of that expense base. Yeah. As today question. relative to activity
2: you know we, nobody has a uh, a perfect picture of exactly how things are going to unfold so I, I think i'm comfortable with the approach that we've taken and think uh because of it we will be well positioned to service the business as it returns uh so i don't see a need to make any you know knee-jerk reactions to you know short-term variations in the market okay i appreciate the caller. thanks guys Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you.
1: Our next question is from the line of Brett Jordan from Jeffries. Your lines are open. Good
6: morning. morning. This is uh, Mark Jordan on for Brett. Oh, hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. Hi, Mark. Um, how's it going? Good. Um, oh. j- just. Thinking about the outlook you put out today, um, you said performance thus far during Q2 was only marginally higher than Q1. I guess, is that on a dollar basis or is that a same store sales percentage basis? Dollar basis. Dollar basis, okay. Um, And then if I'm looking correctly at what you restated uh, last year for US dollar terms, is it what we're looking at in Q2 20, was that about a 23% decline in same store sales, if if I'm looking at that right?
2: I, I think Q2 was about uh, Pat. You I don't know if you have that in front of you. I believe it was about thirty-five percent.
4: Yeah, it's it's in uh, yeah, it's around thirty-five okay. uh, percent mark.
6: <clears throat> okay. Uh, yeah. No, I, I was. I think I might have been looking. I was trying to figure out what the U.S. do when when it's restated in the U.S. dollars. But um, oh, okay. we'll you're talking.
4: Okay. Yeah. The 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 number we just quoted, you know, it was stated in Canadian dollars. So you obviously, you have to exchange in the U.S. dollars. Yeah.
6: Okay okay all right um and then i guess thinking about how demand uh trended throughout the quarters can you talk about you know what you're seeing maybe in early q1 how it compared into later q1 and, and maybe um so far quarter to date just, just kind of how the, the pace of improvement changed
2: uh, well i think i'm trying to think of what what is it that we can specifically disclose i mean we we have looked at data from ccc and you Clearly, we lapped the pandemic in uh, in the you know, probably the second week of March. Uh, so we started to see year over year demand above uh, above what had uh, had happened when the pandemic began to incla- impact claim counts. Uh, but the first quarter overall, on the data that we've seen from CCC, was still down about twenty percent from historical norms. Like if you compared it to the uh, 2019 volume, Uh, but because the pandemic began to impact claim volumes in March of last year, uh, we saw an uptick relative to prior year in the latter part of March.
6: Okay, great. Um, And then just just one last one, Um, kind of thinking about the mix between parts versus labor. Um, can you break out what you're seeing there? And then um, I think in your report mentioned uh, higher labor margins during the quarter. Is that primarily from the wage subsidy or is there something more structural there? Uh,
2: I think there, there, a little bit of it is the wage subsidy. But uh, there's also, uh, as we've, uh, we uh, I'd say, modified things last year. There was some near-term benefit related to that as well. For example... Um, we had not really invested in the technician development program, which has a negative impact on labor margins in the early going. But we are uh, increasing our investment in that area and and have been really building that since uh, the very early part of the year.
6: Okay, great. Uh, thank you very much for taking our questions.
4: Thanks, yeah, Mark, Mark, one comment is, I think as you focus on this uh, same-store sale growth or decline, I think one of the things I think uh, you need to keep in mind is we do have a good chunk of business around nine percent business coming from Canada, and Canada is uh, hit very hard. And you can go to the segment disc- disclosure in the footnotes, and you can do your own calculation how hard it was hit. For example, in Q1 of last year, we had 56.49 million dollars, and in Q1 of this year, it's 37.27, and we added uh, several locations in Canada. So you can you can get a good ballpark same store decline. In Canada. So you have to bake that in when you do the calculation.
6: Okay, great. I'll uh, take a look at that. Thank you. Thanks, Mark.
2: Thanks, Mark.
1: Thank you. Our next question is from the line of Maggie McDougall from spifo Your line's is good morning,
4: Maggie. Good morning,
2: Maggie.
7: Hi Maggie. Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um We've had a bit of a development this last week with this pipeline outage, and um, reading about a number of states are experiencing spikes in gas prices and pipeline-related shortages. I'm wondering if you're seeing any impact to your business from this, you know, sort of event, and and if you can help us understand. Both that, and then some of the non-COVID-related things that may have impacted you in Q1, such as the weather in Southern US.
2: Thanks. Yeah, I, I would say on the uh, pipeline uh, problem in the in the eastern part of the country, that's really very, very new, and we probably, if it is having an impact, I'm not. I doubt we would even see it yet. Um, although it clearly would have the potential to have an impact on miles driven for some period of time. I'm not sure how long, but I'd say too early to understand on that one. Uh, The weather related events that we were referring to were really the, we had some extreme weather in the southern states in the U.S. during the winter. Uh, The obvious one that got most of the press is what happened in Texas, which was ice storms, and then significant power outages for, for several days. Uh, But that same storm was hitting other southern states. And uh, as most people know, the southern states are not well prepared to deal with that type of weather event. Uh, So rather than plowing the streets, as would happen in northern markets, uh, they really just shut down driving and and activity stops. And that's really what we experienced in those states uh, for a period of time during the winter.
7: Thanks. Uh, One more question, and and I appreciate this may be a challenging one to answer, but it's something I've been struggling to understand, which is in the states where you've seen, um, let's say driving miles driven uh, and gasoline consumption, demand for your services return to more like pre-pandemic levels. Have you noted any change in driving patterns um, related to work from home or just people, sort of generally, you know, doing more online shopping versus going into stores, that could have an impact on demand for collision repair services.
2: I think the main one, Maggie, would be <clears throat> the uh, measure of congestion, which really is the, you know, the sort of the morning commute and morning and evening commute, and probably ties into schools being open as well, which puts pressure on traffic and. Well, there's been uh, imp- improvement, if you will. There's been improvement in congestion. It's gotten better for the collision repair industry. In most markets, it's still not back to normal levels. But I think we're still, you know, we're still early on in many places with the recovery. Uh, vaccination rates have increased significantly in the past few months, and they'll continue to. So I, I think we'll just have to wait and see uh, what happens in terms of the, uh, the pressure on congestion with a normal commute.
4: Maggie, uh, in the U.S., I think we don't have large enough sample at this point in time. It's too early. But if you look at other countries, like China and Australia, where things are, have reasonably gone back to normal levels, there, I think the frequencies uh, have gone back to uh, historical levels. So if you use that as a proxy, mm-hmm. I think that might offer you some clues.
7: Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really good t- uh, to know, Pat. Thank you very much. I'll um, get back in the queue if I have more questions. Thanks,
1: Maggie.
7: Thanks, Maggie. Thank you. The next one is from
1: Kate McShane from Goldman Sachs. Please go good morning, ahead.
7: Kate. Hey, Hi, Kate. good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. I was wondering if um, we could better understand the quarter to date comp- composition. I know it's only slightly better so far compared to Q1, um, but can you talk at all to specifically how it's being driven, if, if the US is that much better and Canada has stayed similar or has gotten worse? And then my second question was just, um, we heard a comment that you benefited from higher retail glass margins, and I, w- I wondered what was driving that.
2: Yeah, I would say uh, on the relative difference between Canada and the US, um, Canada is, uh, many people know, Canada's been on an extraordinarily tight lockdown. Uh, and that has uh, absolutely impacted miles driven and claims in Canada. So we're not seeing uh, we're not seeing the reversal of that trend in Canada. In fact, as as we communicated, we actually saw lower demand in Q1 uh, than we saw in Q4 in Canada. Uh, the uh, so hopefully that addresses that question uh, on the glass. Uh, We've had you know good performance out of our auto glass business, our retail auto glass business, and it does uh have higher uh higher margins than our collision business. so the comment was really just uh you know positive performance out of our auto glass business with relatively higher margins.
7: Thank you
1: thanks Kate. thanks Kate. Thank you. Our next question is from the line of Jonathan Lammers from BMO Capital Markets.
4: Good morning Jonathan. Good morning.
8: Uh, To clarify, have you continued to reopen repair centres into Q2? And if so, is that being done at a rate that makes the fixed OPEX go up faster than the marginal increase in sales?
2: we really made the decision uh, to reopen all U.S. centers late last year, and that uh, has now occurred. Uh, and because business is not yet at normal levels across uh, all of our markets, uh, it does increase fixed costs. Uh, so does, does that answer your question?
8: I think so. It sounds like everything was reopened at the end of Q4. So in the, the U.S., Just in Q1, the U.S. Yeah.
4: In the U.S., not in Canada, but in the U.S. yeah, we have uh, converted all the production centers. uh, When they were converted back to intake, they are converted back to production in the U.S., but in Canada we still have not done that completely.
8: Okay, thank you. Um, And a thematic question. My understanding is that one way that Gerber and Boyd add value to the insurers is by handling some of the claims processing work. Um, I'm reading that the insurers are increasingly deploying AI-based software solutions for claims processing. So my question is, does that help or hurt your ability to add value to the uh, claims process versus the average repair center, this AI-based claims processing?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I, I think the insurers are really trying to move toward uh, more touchless claims, processing claims as seamlessly as they can. In a direct repair environment, we would be right in the you know, right in the estimate and submitting it to the insurer. And the insurers on a growing uh, growing basis would use AI tools to evaluate uh, whether our estimates uh, appear to be reasonable. Um, and then if they're not, they may provide us feedback on that. We do have some, uh, both staff and technology we use to evaluate our estimates. Uh, and we review those before they get to our insurer. So it should put us in a position of having you have fewer estimates either being reviewed or fewer issues found when they are reviewed. So I think we still have uh, an advantage in that area. Okay, thank you.
4: Thanks, Jonathan.
1: Thank you. The next one is from the line of Zachary Evershed from National Bank Financial. Your line's open.
2: Morning, Zachary. Good morning, everyone. Good
8: morning, Zach. So great questions so far, so I'll go a little bit more out there and uh, feel free to punt on the question if you don't feel like answering. But would you care to comment on legislation in a few states now that's looking to require OEM repair procedures and how that might affect Boyd?
2: Sure. Um, we follow OEM repair procedures today, uh, and uh, all of our <clears throat> all of our locations have access to OEM repair data. Uh, and repair research is a key part of any repair, and uh, as is following uh, OE uh, repair requirements, so it should have no impact on us. Uh, and uh, so the legislation really doesn't doesn't change what we would do. And
8: if the like or quality clause ends up being a Trojan horse for OEM part sales. Since you guys are a pass through on parts cost for repairs, that should have no no impact either?
2: Well, yeah, I think that, and you're really referring to OE position statements where they say you need to use an OE part. Is that what you're referring or, or to? Like,
8: or like kind or of like, quality, yeah. Or like kind of,
2: yeah, I mean, some of the OEs are even taking a more aggressive position on used parts as not being uh, appropriate for the repair. Uh, but I think the you know the aftermarket is protected, uh, and uh, and I think in order to keep repair costs down, uh, we need to continue to evaluate and use you know, cost-effective quality alternative parts uh, where where it makes sense. Uh, so I, I think that's uh, those are usually position statements by the OES rather than mandates, uh, and I think the mandates would be a little bit more difficult. So. If we were forced to only use OE parts, then I think the risk is that it could increase repair cost and potentially impact total loss rates. Uh, but uh, but I think there will be you know, a fair amount of market pressure to you know continue to have a healthy alternative part market. Makes sense. Thanks very much. I'll turn it over.
4: Thanks, Zachary. Thank you.
1: Thank you. We have a follow-up question from Steve Vanson, from Raymond James. Please go ahead.
5: Yeah, thanks, guys. Just to follow up on some of the, some of the, I guess, mused changes to capital gains taxes that are coming down the pipe in the U.S. Are, are there is that entered into any of your discussions thus far? I guess you know, ultimately trying to figure out here, are there more sellers that are willing to contemplate uh, getting off? Uh, their facilities in the shorter term because of some potential changes to capital gains taxes? And does that increase your pipeline at all or is it just a moot point?
4: Thanks. Steve, it should. Uh, and again, uh, obviously, sellers won't come and outright say that, but I think it should. And as you know, that legislation is still at the proposal stage and uh, if it comes to pass, I think certainly it should have an impact. you will have more motivated sellers in the shorter term.
5: Okay, but it's not really entered into anything discussions as far I guess you know you're not seeing any discernible change in your in your interest in selling thus far, so a more steady course
4: so we we don't talk specific details, but our our pipeline is very robust, so we can tell you that but beyond that we don't tell know what what's motivating the sellers we We have a number of conversations, but we don't get into that level of disclosure
1: okay oh, thanks, I appreciate that. thanks, Steve. Thank you. Another question from Daryl Young from DD Securities.
2: Morning,
8: gentlemen. Hello. Just uh, one quick one from Hello. me. Um, with regards to the technician shortage, has there been a, a, a net outflow of, of technicians during the pandemic from the industry? Just um, individuals that may have been laid off in the early days and then shifted into a new a new career path. Um, and then, I guess, second to that. Um, has the rate of poaching between um, large
2: MSOs of, of technicians changed at all during the pandemic? Uh, on the first question on the net outflow, I haven't seen any data on that. I, I do know, and, and most people have read about this, but the participation rate in the workforce is pretty low right now. Uh, and there are a lot of uh, enhanced unemployment benefits in many states that uh, don't even require that you're actively looking for employment to continue to collect unemployment. So I think that's making it difficult for employers to staff up. Uh, in the U.S., those benefits are scheduled, at least the federal portion of those benefits are scheduled to end in October. Uh, so that will probably help improve the participation rate in the workforce. Um, and I, I just don't have any data on outflow from the industry. Uh, on the other question, I probably wouldn't comment on specific you know, activities that happen amongst larger players. It's always been a very competitive environment uh, for technicians, uh, but I, I probably can't comment on that further. Okay, fair enough. Thanks uh, Thanks very much, guys.
5: Thanks, Gerald.
1: Thank you. I don't, your next question is from the line of Krista Freyson from CIBC. Good morning, Krista. Hi, thanks for morning, taking Christa.
7: my question. Just to follow up on some of the previous question, so I understand that you've reopened all of your U.S. shops. So at this point, are all the Canadian ones ones reopened as well?
2: No. No. As I mentioned, the the business in Canada remains at at, uh, relatively low levels, and it has not yet made sense to reopen all the facilities for full production.
7: Okay. And then uh, just another question. Obviously, Canada has been has been underperforming due to some of the lockdowns. But in the states where those states have fully reopened, have you seen some shops return to pre-pandemic levels, or is or is that still taking some time?
2: I would say, if you look at individual shops, we we would see that. Um, and there may even be markets that are nearing pre-pandemic levels, and then there are others where maybe restrictions are you know, remain more significant or infection rates are high that could be uh, impacted more than others. Uh, but hopefully over the coming months, as uh, as vaccination rates continue to increase and infection rates decrease, that will balance out.
7: Great. Thank you. That's it from me.
2: Thanks. Christa. Thanks, Krista.
1: Thank you. We don't have any further questions at this time. Presenters, please continue.
2: Okay. Well, thank you, Operator. And uh, thank you all once again for joining our call today. And we look forward to reporting our second quarter results to you in August. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Have a great day.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.